everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Juliette Fay, a poet and three principles facilitator. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Juliet and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Carla. Juliet and I have been chatting before we hit record, as we always do, and we were talking about some of the things we've been up to and decided that a lovely topic today, an interesting topic today, would be about uh, freedom. What is freedom? Because we do have all kinds of ideas about that. I know that one of the things that we believe, at least in our country, Juliet, tell me about how it is in your country, is that uh, we, we, when we think of freedom so very often, we think of financial freedom. And as, as you and my, our listeners know, I work with high-achieving entrepreneurs who are doing quite well financially. And a question often that comes to my mind for these clients is how much is enough? At what point do you feel like you have enough money to have the freedom that you say you want? One of the things I notice with these very same clients is that they started these businesses with this idea of financial freedom. And it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, They had a lot of energy for it. And as time has gone on, at least for some of these people, they are feeling very weighed down by it all. It has gotten, for many of my clients, not so much fun anymore. And they have this fear of losing it. They have this fear of now maintaining the lifestyle that they've gotten used to even though when they lived a lifestyle that was less than they are now, they were just fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But now, you know, they are moving into more expensive places and having uh, more expensive toys. And now they have to take care of all of that. They have to take care of all of that. They have to work to support all of that. And some of them are feeling the pressure of, gosh, this isn't as fun as I thought it would be to have all of this stuff and to have all of this money. And, um, you know, I I know for myself, Juliet, and you and I have talked about this before, I've lived in both large, big places and small places, and my preference at this time in my life is small. I like to live small and simple. I like to be able to, by myself, clean my house in under two hours, you know, (laughs) all by myself. (laughs) I, I do. It's just, it just feels good. I don't like a lot of clutter around. I, I don't like a lot of Chotsky. I just like it simple. That feels like freedom to me. I like not making millions and millions of dollars because I don't want to have to I don't want to have to work that hard, just to be honest with you. I like to make a really good living and also have some free time to wander the woods or or be out on the water. So it's an interesting topic, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah, it is fascinating, isn't it? Because it really begs the question of what do we mean by freedom? 
So in, in that example, I'm, that must be true for many people that uh, freedom would come from having enough money. And then you asked a really good question, you know, what is enough? But you can see freedom also, people might look at freedom as having the freedom to choose how they spend their time. That takes a lot of people into self-employment mm -hmm. because they feel that while working for an employer, they're on the clock, you know, whatever it's nine to five in this country. I think it's even more longer working as in, in the US. And that can be an impetus for people to set up on their own because they they believe they will have freedom and I used to work with a lot of micro entrepreneurs and it was quite interesting that the that desire for freedom a little bit in there's a parallel to your story people had a an idea of what working for themselves would look like and often it was doing something they were passionate about uh, not always in the arts but something um yeah, they, uh, they, they were makers and, and different kinds of businesses, food businesses. And what they often discovered was they worked double the hours that they were working when they were employed. Mm -hmm. And only some of those hours were actually doing the thing they loved, the making. Uh, and many of the other hours, as anyone who runs a business will know, <laughs> were spent on all kinds of other things, from doing the books to ordering supplies and managing the customers and staff if they had staff and so their vision of this freedom they would have didn't the reality didn't really match up and for some of them that didn't matter they enjoyed it and they and they flourished and they discovered all sorts of new things in running businesses but there were a few for whom it killed the passion and the and the joy of what they did and you know then you're at a crossroads and you have to take that decision for yourself but I'm interested in what other ways we well yeah what we think freedom really is and then how we make up that it will be given to us through a set of circumstances or we make some big change and we, we're doing it because we want freedom and how it doesn't look to me like that that usually pans out the way we thought it would. So I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear what you what you think on that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, there's so many different ideas of freedom, and 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 I think it's can be a bit, you know, can be very personal what that means. I think that some people choose. Uh, I, I do not mean to say that the majority of people choose this, but I know that there are a few people who choose homelessness because they don't want to be in the rat race. They haven't figured out how to not be in that rat race. Other than that, I can remember um, a homeless person uh, in, uh, in in Atlanta that I used to see quite often. And I heard her story uh, that people had attempted to sort of help her and bring her out of homelessness. And it was just the lifestyle that she wanted. You know, she just chose it. She wanted that. Now, I know that that's not the case for most people. I, I do get that. But I'm just making a point that that freedom can look very different to us. You know, I've heard of, you know, a man who went into the forest for years and years and years and lived off grid and and just took care of himself. And that was his idea of freedom. Um, and other people's idea of freedom is making a lot of money. But the thing that comes to my mind when I think about freedom 
is, uh, you know, I definitely want enough money to, to be comfortable, you know, to have my needs met and not to be living in fear that I can't go to the, to the doctor or something like that, or take care uh, of, um, you know, my car, if it breaks down or be able to, you know, whatever things like that means freedom to me. But when I think about freedom for myself, like I think about this um, narrative that's constantly running in my mind, this, this, these stories, this, this voice in my head that um, this is what I work on with my clients is that voice in our head is our mindset and how controlling it is (laughs) and how limiting it is and how narrow this voice is. And I, I know I told you this, Juliet, but I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I got really clear about this voice in my head and how I was having this beautiful experience. And then this voice came in to start to, uh, that was starting to be very analytical, very judgmental, very cautious. You need to think about this. You need to worry about that. It's a very dramatic, worrying voice dramatic and worrying. And in that moment, I saw it so, so clearly as separate from this experience of life I was having in the moment. And, and I was very aware that, that this voice, as I give it my full attention, just takes over everything. And it puts like these blinders on me so that I can no longer fully experience, um, you know, the sunset or whatever is going on. I can't fully experience it because this voice is interfering constantly. And so for me, freedom, um, I think the most wonderful freedom would be that that voice isn't so dominant isn't so predominant and um, that, that I really see it for what it is and that it no longer just overshadows my entire life. <laughs> I have to say I'm not there yet, but, but um, when I think about freedom, it's like, it's like the idea in my mind is to, to, to put that voice in perspective and not give it such free reign and to recognize it for what it is and pay less attention to it so that I can fully experience life and see more opportunities, you know, more opportunity, more possibility, more enjoyment. So I don't know, Ju- Juliet, what do you think of all that? Well, I love that because what you're talking about is freedom of mind. And um, mm-hmm. it, it's on, I think it's on the intro where when you talk about what I do, it says I'm interested in freedom of mind. And it's fascinating that if you took all the kinds of um, freedom we were, we've touched on already and you really kind of um, ask people to reflect on, on what freedom means, I suspect that most of us would come down to what you're talking about because we've, we talk often on this podcast that, you know, you, you can be on holiday and be having a bad time. You can be in, you know, having... Uh, huge um, financial resources and feel insecure we know this it's it's mm-hmm. everybody's experience that mm-hmm. there are no set of circumstances out there no person job business place um, uh, hobby that will give you this sort of peace of mind or you know 24 7 which just not the human experience and Many of us do make the mistake of thinking, I don't like now, you know, whatever it is about now you don't like, your relationship, your your job or your situation where you live. So I'll change it and then I'll feel better. 
And it, and it's not to say we're not saying oh you never make any changes, but when you invest that change with delivering you peace of mind, you're kind of you're setting yourself up for a fall. Yeah. Whereas what you're talking about that freedom of mind, and when you were saying it, two phrases popped into my head. One was it takes up all the oxygen. It's a yeah. phrase that I really I like, and it because you know our breath is fundamental to life, and I know exactly what you mean when that it can be a voice in the head, or it can be more subtle. It can just be an unease in the body, a, you know, tightness in the shoulders, or and when it's pervasive, it, it's a killjoy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's its primary purpose. <laughs> to be you talk often about the primitive brain who's you know who can just only is only scanning for danger and and I loved how you talked about it it's like when it takes over we constrict and and we can't see opportunities and I know that you know and 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 I know too we both have an inkling because we've experienced when that space opens up Mm -hmm then it doesn't really matter what, what you're doing in your day. You might be dealing with block drains as, <laughs> as I am today, or you might be uh, writing a bid for a multi-million dollar contract. Um, you begin to realise that what's available to you is, mm-hmm. is internal, not external. It's not, it's not um, what I mean by that is it's not determined by the externals. And so I'm I'm really, really curious about it because um, I I, uh, I remember what somebody once said to me who who's employed but in a you know really well paid uh, position, very senior in the company, and he was he was always um, had his phone and you know had to be available really because his company works um, globally. And uh, he's just said with a kind of shrug, he said, well, you know, nobody has real freedom unless you're a novelist and then you can just do what you want. (laughs) And it really made me smile because I thought, yeah, that's what we all sort of dream of. We we don't want anyone telling us what to do. You know, we don't want to have to do the things we don't want to do. But I'm really curious about that because... I have a hunch that the freedom we're looking for doesn't actually come from getting rid of all your responsibilities. It's a much deeper internal freedom. Yeah, I mean, you said something extremely important, Juliet, which is that our freedom um, doesn't have anything that you didn't say it exactly this way. This is my paraphrase of Juliet Fay, which is that our freedom doesn't come from whatever's going on out there. It comes from within. And it's not dependent upon our circumstances. And think about like the freedom of that, that no matter where we find ourselves and whatever situation we find ourselves, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, freedom is available to us. It, it, it's amazing. It's, it's liberating to think, uh, to think about that. It's also... <laughs> I have to I have to confess, Juliet, that you know, back um, in my fundamentalist Christian days, the idea of this heaven where there was just no problems, no difficulty, no tears, and all of that was so appealing to me because I couldn't figure out how to find that internal peace 
or that internal freedom that we're talking about. And it was just like, okay, I've got to gut it out for this life. It was literally like that for me. I just have to gut it out for this life and get to heaven and everything will be hunky-dory. And I am, I am a little bit disappointed <laughs> to know <laughs> or to believe at this point that that's not exactly how it's going to turn out. This is my belief. And that, that this idea of enlightenment, that, that where just everything is hunky-dory, I, I'm not convinced any longer that that exists. And, and while I went through a period of disappointment about that, because I think I was disappointed by that because I couldn't really fathom the truth of this internal freedom that we're exploring right now. And since that time, I've had glimpses of it, right? I, haven't, I don't live there. I'm not embodied there. <clears throat> but I definitely have glimpses of that, which, which bring me a lot of hope and encouragement that that's really possible. And we know from reading biographies and stories about people in the worst of situations. We mentioned in our last episode, Viktor Frankl, who found a freedom of mind, as you, as you phrase it, in a concentration camp. We know, too, that there are people who are in prison for life who have found this freedom of mind. And we know that uh, people... Um, you know, we, we know that people of color in the worst of situations in slavery have found peace of mind. That doesn't mean to say that 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 Victor Frankel wasn't trying to get out of that that prison camp or that the slaves aren't trying to get free. It, it's 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 not mutually exclusive. You can have freedom of mind and also do everything you can to change your your situation, your circumstances. But there is a level of acceptance um, of what you can't change, and also, I think, empowerment to change the things that you can. Yeah, I love that you drew, drew that distinction because, um, you know, it, it, it can be a massive escape, you know, looking for freedom, whether it's, you know, freedom from people who bug you or freedom going to look for spiritual uh, peace it can be a, a massive uh, cop-out is sort of word, the phrase we'd use here, where you're basically saying, I don't want to deal with either the world or in the, and the atrocities in it, or I don't want to deal with my own internal um, mental distress, shall we say, or psychological distress. And I, I, I think I've probably done this at times in my life. We, we, it's very alluring, isn't it? Whether it's the fundamentalist Christian heaven after death, the life, the afterlife, or there's lots and lots of um, groups who are pointing people towards a sort of blissful experience. And I can understand the appeal of that if, if, if your life feels like struggle and drudgery or overwhelming or there's no solution because you're physically incapacitated, dealing with chronic pain, all sorts of ways in which looking to escape to this sort of blissful fields somewhere where you don't have to deal with life. Yes. Yeah, I can completely understand the appeal of that and say I'm sure I was looking for that at one stage. Um, 
but it's ultimately unsatisfying because you get a bit disconnected from reality and mm-hmm. you and you become startlingly unempathetic <laughs> because yeah. you're kind of removed and and just like any other state of mind it's coming you know from an internal creation if you like and and we're very good at tricking ourselves i think which is back to that um, inner critic kind of voice you talked about most of our listeners and i know for me and from what you said for you too carla we know at times that the the sound of that the messages and the meaning in all of that can be very very compelling mm-hmm. and and can take over in the way in the way you said and so it's a sort of subtle distinction to me you know like you i've glimpsed it i don't live there all the time by any means but freedom of mind looks like not holding on tight to trying to control my experience it doesn't mean escaping from sydney banks used to uh, says somewhere life is a contact sport uh, and it just is so it's it's more about opening to the aliveness of experience internally that's what it looks like to me if I had to say today what am I talking about and so that means whatever experience you're having you know sadness anger boredom happiness an ability to maybe ability is the wrong word but an opening to all of it and the freedom piece comes for me in that I I was reflecting on this in the last 24 hours. I think what gets in the way of opening to experience is the belief that maybe that we can't face loss, whether that's loss of things and people, or, our, or loss ourselves, loss of physical function, loss of, and ultimately, of course, loss of our physical form, which is death. And I know we, we touch on this all the time, but it looks to me there's a connection between experiencing something of the profound nature of life coming through us, which isn't me, Juliet, you know, it's bigger than me, really experiencing the power of that and how I'm not in controlling it, that allows the, the, the tight controlling um, urge to settle down and trying to do it the other way around, you know, trying to convince yourself not to panic or get insecure or, or feel terror or whatever. It, it doesn't work. It's just trying to control more does that make sense come in and see see what you see there yeah it does I I think I mean I have several things that come to mind but one is that you know this freedom that we're talking about is also the freedom to accept um, not only the divine parts of ourselves but the human parts of ourselves as well you know and what you were talking about uh, earlier about um, is I call it spiritual bypassing I saw it in the fundamentalist church. I've seen it in the three principles community. I've seen it in all the people who are uh, going for enlightenment. I see groups of people who are what I call spiritually bypassing as if our humanness is not okay. As if, you know, our messiness, our nuance, our complexity 
is not okay. And um, I remember reading a book years ago. In fact, I think there's going to be a movie coming out about it. But Ken Wilber, who is a American philosopher and an author whom I've followed for years and and has been really life-changing for me, his ideas, uh, although I, I don't take them hook, line, and sinker, you know, their issues in that whole worldview is just like in any, any worldview. But, um, but he, when his wife, his new wife, and they were young, was dying of cancer, he was this, he was in his world kind of a spiritual guru and really into meditation and just all the spiritual stuff. And when his wife was dying of cancer, his beloved, beloved wife was dying of cancer at such a young age, right after they got married, he went into the depths of his humanness. And he wrote a book called Grace and Grit, which is a beautiful book. And he showed himself in all of his messy humanness. And and I, I love that. Because these people who set themselves up as gurus or as enlightened or as spiritually beyond, you know, I don't trust it. Because my own experience says that, no, man, I, it's messy. It's complicated. It's confusing. It's, it's nuanced. It's, it's complex, this being a human being. And, and I believe that we are both human and divine. But we are constantly playing towards this divine in a way. That's maybe not the best word. We see it in social media all over the place where we have to, you know, we can't post a picture unless we have our best magazine smile on. You know, we have to touch up our photos. We have to uh, only share our wins. And more and more, I'm appreciating the people who show up really authentically, which is like, here are these great successes and these beautiful things. And here are my screw ups and I'm depressed today. And, you know, I, I find that so authentic and, and beautiful in its humanness. And I trust it more. It just feels more authentic. It feels real to me. I, I, I trust people who say that I have bad days sometimes. I don't trust people who just say they've got it all figured out and everything's hunky-dory. I don't trust them because I don't believe it. <laughs> now, I could and be Henry, wrong, Juliet. I could be wrong, but this is just. <laughs> well, and, and hence our podcast. I mean, it was one of the things we were interested in exploring, wasn't it? The the getting real, the 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 showing it all and exploring it all, the messiness and the and the everyday experience, which we all share, it's common to everybody. And something struck me actually, as you were speaking there is with the divine and, and, and humanity is it's back to sort of, uh, the, the either or, you know, when we're, when we put those two in opposition, you know, one is better than the other, or one is good and one is, uh, is lacking it creates this massive tension and, and you see this in all sorts of areas in, in life. You know, you could look at the kind of might open a can of worms here, but you could look at the, you know, men versus women when they're in opposition, when each is trying to prove that, that there has to be one um, has to be seen as more valuable or better. Then you you kind of miss the value and richness of men and women 
and and that might sound very anti-feminist it's it's not I'm talking about something that when anything is in opposition to something else it's it's a bit like that taking all the oxygen the conflict takes all the oxygen and you completely lose sight of the players so in the humanity versus spirituality I love what you're pointing to and it feels that the that thing again of escape you know we can we can go either way we can escape into our sort of base desires because they're sort of satisfying and ignore the the spiritual aspects of ourselves or we can try and escape into spirituality and and they obscure both those things obscure the what you're talking about the the beautiful subtle um you said complexity but it's also sort of magic of of how uh, like a human system works i love nature programs you probably knows i mentioned them then again and I was uh, watching one last night and they've come up with this amazing new camera that can show light differently. And so they were filming the, this fish. I can't remember the name of the fish under the water. It was a crustacean, I think, and a kind of shrimp. And with this camera, it showed up fluorescent in places that the human eye can't see because we don't register those wavelengths of light, but it, it's they've discovered they were ever so excited about this new camera. <laughs> yeah. Because they're seeing these creatures in a way they've never seen before. And with that comes some understanding. Oh, look, they're using the the light patches on their body to signal different things, either to say go away to, to possible predators or to attract mates. And without being able to see that, all of that behavior was completely missed mm-hmm. up until this point. And so yeah, I don't know where what I'm driving at really, but just that if we start from the place that we're both, like you said, and we can bring equal curiosity to both it looks to me like they enrich each other. Our experience of being something bigger than we are enriches our, our human messiness, if you like, and our human messiness. You know, why else would we be in human form? You know, if we could just disappear and, and go and be a sunbeam in the sky, you know, what, what need, do you know what I mean? If that was the goal, which I know exactly what you're talking about, bypassing, it can sometimes feel like people want to speed me up really, isn't it? They want to get off the planet. <laughs> yes, yes. Internally. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe literally, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think literally for some, some people. It was literally for me. But I, I love what you're saying about, you know, both and and, and this human and divine um, I know that after I came thoroughly out of the fundamentalist Christian world, uh, I, I have gone through a period of time where I was um, not as in touch with my spiritual side anymore because I was sort of afraid to be, because I was afraid of that dogma and fundamentalism, but but I was missing out on something. And, you know, you can connect to your divine, the divine parts of you without going into dogma you know, without going into all of that black and white judgmental thinking, but you can connect with something uh, greater than you without neglecting your very human part of yourself. And, and I do think that there's a lot of 
a lot of freedom in that. You're right. You can you can sink into the human stuff as a way of bypassing just as much as you can bypass through the spiritual. You're absolutely right, Juliet. So I guess freedom in part is uh, another aspect of freedom is to um, to include both. To allow for both, to accept both, to to express both. Yeah, and I loved what you said a bit earlier about um, you know being yourself, not trusting in authenticity. And most of us have an instinct for that when somebody is. Um, they may not even be doing it consciously, but in some way they're not being true to themselves. I suppose is one mm-hmm. way of saying it. And I wonder if that's another definition of freedom because and it's quite challenging in some ways because my mind, if I think freedom to be myself, it's kind of an old society or familial sort of thing about good behaviour and being, you know, (laughs) sort of a kind and considerate citizen or person. So there is this idea, well, if everybody just was themselves and did whatever they wanted, you know, we'd have chaos. (laughs) People would run amok. And yet I think there's a deeper sort of truth in that idea of being truly ourselves was what you were pointing at is being honest when we are down or frustrated or despairing being honest about that and and it gets very subtle I, I love this this idea that you talk about collapsing into emotions versus sort of you don't say suppressing but it's something that that two ends of the spectrum and there are other subtle ways we can try to not experience what's happening so we can uh, numb we can just numb ourselves we can make a huge drama out of something we can uh, distract ourselves. And, and you know that feeling when you're deliberately trying not to think about or not feel something and you distract yourselves with, again, it's control, isn't it? With a kind of intensity of, I will not think about this. I will not think about this. And it's exhausting, yeah. absolutely exhausting. Yeah. So I love the idea that freedom to be in your experience, whatever that is, with that, it, it, even as I think about it, it comes a, a beautiful openness. Not not a not a feeling bliss, an openness to to whatever's coming through. And and I, I've got a, a nice metaphor. I was telling Carla before we hit record. I went offline for two and a half days, and I really offline. No screens, no internet, no phone, no laptop, no TV. And I loved it. But one of the first things I noticed was how much time it freed up. Mm-hmm. And that strikes me there's a metaphor in there for how much mental energy we spend. It's control again, trying to control our experience. That voice you were talking about, when we pay attention there, there's a lot to do because it needs to be pacified or managed or argued with or um, calmed down. or And, and that feeling of, of having those external distractions switched off for a couple of days 
just gave me a little sort of peek into, wow, you know, what if this was my mind that I switched off or perhaps a better way of putting it is, is, is stop paying attention to, to all the things that take me into constriction and control. I'm not saying I could do that, but I like the idea of it because I think there's more freedom there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, having some time away from the screen does give us a little more space, doesn't it, Juliet, and some more freedom because those I think a lot of the social media uh, voices that we hear just just attach to our own internal voice and and rev it up. I know I know it does for me. I know it revs it up for me. And uh, I think I I was mentioning to you before we hit record, Juliet, about my time in Vermont. I lived in Vermont for a year off grid. And what that meant was uh, I lived in a in a small place uh, with with uh, um, solar panels, and and it didn't pursue, produce very much electricity for each day, so I had to be very careful and intentional about how much time I spent on the internet or even turned lights on, and I used a lot of candles, and so I was not on social media. I just wasn't. I didn't have time for that. You know, I had to use my computer time for for work. And I have never felt so, like I told you, I was dreaming like so much. And I could remember detail after detail after detail of three dreams a night. I could remember all the details. And, And I also just felt so much, I just felt really open I was enjoying nature in a way I never that I, to a degree that I hadn't been able to before. It just a lot of the noise was gone, I think. And now I, I'm a businesswoman. I'm an entrepreneur. I have to have access to my computer if I want to have a business. I cannot totally disconnect, nor do I want to. But that experience showed me something and I spend way too much time online just wasting time and it, and it takes up a lot of space and it cuts down on, on my freedom. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 love, I love this exploration because I'm in the same boat. I, didn't, I did it because I had the urge to do it for a couple of days and like you, I run a business. I don't have any desire to be permanently disconnected. But I'm just wondering when you were speaking, I'm very curious about this idea of inner and outer. And so in the world at the moment, the pace of social media or just, just input, let's call it that, stimulus from the outside seems to have ramped up extraordinarily in the last 20 odd years. Mm -hmm. And if you go and look online for debates about the pros and cons of social media, you'll find, you know, millions of results. And there are lots of things we know for ourselves and we might have opinions about it. But I'm really wondering whether which came first, you know, did our minds get sort of busier and busier when you said that we go on social media and people's opinions attached to our own I think there's something really profound in there you know which came first did we get so fascinated with our own sort of 
little minds, for want of a better way of putting it, and our opinions about ourselves and everybody else and the world. And then did social media, was that the gestation period for social media to birth? I mean, I'm just I'm just riffing here mm-hmm. to kind of reflect back to us these these very, very busy, self-absorbed. I'm, I'm, I don't mean that to be sound quite as detrimental as it does, but self. <clears throat> it's like there's inward looking, which is looking to a deeper, stiller place. And then there's the inward looking that is like whizzing really fast I, I've did it for years ruminating around everything mm-hmm. uh, going on in our sort of little personal landscape so I'm I'm really interested in that because we were talking before um, we hit record when I came back online I wondered if it would change my habits around my phone and things well no not much (laughs) the honest truth as soon as it was back I was back checking things like I normally do so I'm just curious I'm just wondering if there's a sort of an opening there well I I I have my opinion Juliet I I have no (laughs) idea but but what I think has happened um this is my opinion is that I feel like we, as a as a human race, especially in Western culture, have become so disconnected from one another that social media is our way of trying to find our way back to each other. It's just not working. But it's why we feel so compelled to go on. And, and I think with the pandemic especially, it's like people really are isolated in a way that, that um, they don't even have the choice so much to go out, at least people who are conscientious about not wanting to spread the, the virus uh, don't have that choice. And, and I, I feel like, you know, as I've said before, one of the things that I think many of the religions have done so well is create community. And as more and more people are exiting the, the world, of, the world of, of religion, they don't know where to connect now. You know, you can't, you just, a bar is not going to do it for you for the most part, it's not going to do it. Where do you go for connection? And I think that that's a problem that we have that we have not sorted out. And this may be a topic for another session, another episode, Juliet. Uh, um, But I think we've also lost connection with ourselves personally. And I think that freedom is about reconnecting, reconnecting to ourselves, reconnecting to each other and reconnecting to life and reconnecting to the divine. But not to the exclusion of the human. So I, that's why I think social media is so compelling. It also, they've set it up psychologically to hit certain dopamine parts of your brain and to make it very uh, um, addictive. Juliet, I am suddenly aware of the time and I want you to bring this home for us. Yeah, lovely. Well, I love the connection you made there that the, it looks to me that the root of freedom is connection yes. with our deepest self. And and when that is felt more, experienced more, looked to, appreciated, then it tends to start cleaning up these other things like connection to others, connection to the land, connection to other creatures. So I, I for one, I mean, I'm endlessly curious to look in that direction and I've really enjoyed um, being able to explore it with you, Carla. And I hope our listeners might take something from this to go and reflect on where their freedom lies. 
I hope so too, Juliet. I appreciate you and our listeners. And um, this is a big topic that I'm sure we will explore again. Thank you, Juliet. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Juliet Fay. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. Juliet loves freedom of mind, which she explores and shares through poetry and conversations. Find her at soulcare.org. That's soulcare, S-O-L-C-A-R-E.org. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness. (music) 